He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Excuse me. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, inspiration, and empowerment and liberation. And we are here to promote a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. And it is our goal, it is our responsibility, it is our desire, our mandate to empower you, our listeners, to knowing, doing, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. And there's several ways you can do that. The main main way you can do so is by calling in on the uh, phone line, phone line which is three four seven two three seven five two three zero. That's the number you can call to get your voice, your thoughts, insights, opinions, two cents, five cents, six cents, a dollar in on the air. That's the way to do that. We want to encourage you to do so. Other way is uh, by way of our chat line. The chat room is open, so you can log into uh, Talk Radio and go into the chat room and share your thoughts there. Uh, you can also follow us on our Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook. Go there, like the page, subscribe, follow, catch up with archived shows all the way back that we've been as long as we have them. Uh, follow up on iTunes, catch our archive show, however you want to do that. Connect with us, me personally, on Twitter, uh, at Prophesy, and hit me up on my email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Uh, Skype, Twitter, you name it, we're on it, and we're just glad to be on it. <laughs> and we're glad that you're joining us again today for a wonderful, wonderful show. We have a lot of things that we want to talk about. The question we're promoting today and we're staying on this subject of past accountability and liability uh, around that theme. But today we pretty much want to ask the question, you know, uh, what what about pastors who get seduced by the quick the quick dollar? You know, I, I you know there there's been a lot of things going on lately with with money. And, you know, pastors are just caught up with this money. Well, I won't say pastors are, but uh, it's it's coming full circle, full throttle in the church world about pastors and money issues and churches and money issues and pastors uh, and things of that nature. But what about, you know, the biggest question that always comes up at every church is should a pastor be paid? Should a pastor have an outside job? And in the case of a particular individual, uh, what happens when the pastor quits the church to pursue uh, you know, the, their dream or their former career. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as we go along and uh, a couple other things also. But that's going to be the main idea, you know, the seduction of quick money. You know, um, with Pastor Mason Betha, or commonly known as Mace, who has returned to the rap game full time. And, you know, hey, that's a whole different – we're going to really delve into that. But also, what about this book – that's been released by a minister named David Lee, who was a former member 
of the Potter's House Te- Church, uh, Dallas, Texas, under the leadership of uh, T.D. Jakes and others. And he, he has some outrageous claims that he uh, – because of a book he wrote. And uh, so we're going to hear a little bit about that and talk about his book, of course. I guess we'll be promoting his book. <laughs> And unintentionally, but that's about uh, that's some of the main things we're going to be talking about. I really want to hear your thoughts on this this pastors and money issue. Why is it so divisive in the churches? So that's going to be what we mainly talk about. Uh, and you can call in three four seven two three seven five two three zero. That's what we'll be talking about. But uh, before we go any further into the show, let us go to the Lord in prayer. God, our Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, for your loving kindness for your forgiveness, for every good and every perfect gift. Now, God, as we pray always, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so let's get into the headlines for the day. As you know, I always like to get to the headlines. And probably the biggest headline uh, for us, aside aside from international issues, just on the national issue, there's two things uh, that have come up recently uh, concerning our president. First, if you're not aware, Monday, uh, President Obama issued an executive order basically uh, decreeing that um, all federal agencies and federal contractors cannot discriminate uh, against gender. And uh, it's, it's really important because although President Clinton signed something similar, uh, it was against orientation. Now that's a, this. This is how far we have come in this in this uh, in this issue with the uh, homosexuality and things like that. This is how far we've come. Uh, just 20 years ago, it was all about orientation, and that basically meant whether you were uh, considered yourself heterosexual or homosexual, you couldn't be discriminated against. Now it has transcended orientation and gone into gender and basically anything goes down so you want to be a transgender male female uh you cannot uh government agency federal agencies cannot discriminate against you and and you know it's all but forcing them to hire you or you know so in other words in so many words it's like okay uh if you're a transgender man who wants to use the female restroom uh, you can, or if you're a bisexual, or a, you know, a homosexual man who wants to use the female restroom, or vice versa, vice versa, they can't discriminate against that, uh, against you for that. They must update their their whole policies or get uh, employment opportunities to involve everyone, every gender, all of that stuff. Now, this is where the issue came in, and my friend Delandris and I, we had a we had a very nice conversation about this, and I, if you listen, D, I still love you. I know you still love me too, uh, but we had a question about this because it actually does include religious organizations. Those organizations that receive federal funding, that means uh, Christian colleges, churches with possibly – uh, that are 501c3, the church is a 501c3, not a church-sponsored organization. But if the church is incorporated as a 501c3 uh, and you have employees, and if you have somebody at your church who is, you know, of a different orientation, who wants to be employed by your church, you by law now cannot discriminate against them. Uh, it does not, that does not say, it does not uh, imply for example, if a homosexual couple, a same-sex couple, wants to get married at your church, it does not imply that you cannot uh, allow them. You know, you cannot marry them. It doesn't imply that. But I mean, you're talking about a loose interpretation of the law, and based on what's going on right now in our country with these couples that are suing organization businesses, like in Colorado right now, there's a bakery that's been forced to bake cakes uh, against their, you know, it's, even it's against their religious views. Now, here's, they have to do it. But here's the thing. Just a few weeks ago, we, we know about what the Supreme Court ruled regarding uh, corporations and that by law, uh, by their interpretation of the law, corporations are living beings, living entities, and those living entities can reflect the private corporations, not not public, but private corporations, can reflect 
the religious views of their owner. So if your family has a uh, a family-owned company and you're a deeply religious family, then by the interpretation of the Supreme Court, uh, the company shares, uh, basically shares the, re- the religious views of the owners. Now, it's tricky because the churches are, are you know, as, as diverse as the churches are, uh, there are some things that we share. Most share similar things, similar views, similar values. You have those who are more conservative, and that's usually in the South, and, you know, the Southern Evangelical group, uh, largely conservative. And then you have the more liberal uh, church groups and organizations, and, that. and that's, of course, mostly up north. You have, them, you have them scattered about in the South, but they're not that prevalent, you know. The South is a whole different beast. But the the, uh, the premise is that those shared values are what should matter. And if those shared values are don't are, are not the same, then that's where the conflict comes in. Because if by if by law these southern evangelical church churches now cannot discriminate against same sex issues, uh then it, there is some religious conflict that's bound to happen. Um, how far will that go? I don't know. Uh, the law in and of itself, is, although it's not vague, it is clear. But there's also a Senate bill that's up for the vote, up for vote right now that's pretty much saying the same thing but provides religious exemption. And, and I think that's where uh, – um, that's up for discussion, it's up for debate, and pretty much going to be up to vote soon. But basically, it's the same thing that is already a federal law, but it provides religious organizations, schools, universities, uh, churches with organizations and things of that nature. It provides them the exemption, or in the case of like Hobby Lobby, those type of corporations, the same type of exemption uh, for their religious views. I, I brought that up because it's going to be interesting in the next uh, within the next five years or so, uh, because once Obama's out of out of office, we don't know you know what the matter of fact not even that that long. Twenty fourteen is going to be this this November is really going to be a turning point. It's going to be a turning point because you have a majority uh, Republican controlled House, and with very close. I mean, it's looking right now that there will also be a majority Republican-controlled Senate, and you have a Democrat as a president. This hasn't happened since Clinton, you know, almost two, 20 years ago. It hadn't happened since Clinton. And while the Republican Party came out victorious and a lot of things were done at Clinton, I got to applaud him because he he compromised a lot. He had he compromised, and it led to a wonderful government administration. One led to a wonderful administration till the Republicans got a little bit, you know, in themselves and had to impeach him for something that was irrelevant. If you ask me, had nothing to do with uh, the, <laughs> the administration. But that's a whole different thing. That's a that's a horse of another color. But all I'm saying is that. How would this affect churches? And this is where it's. This is where we really have to pay attention. This is where, particularly as black churches, those of us black churches, pastors, we really have to be aware because how this affects us will almost cause us to implode because we have not been equipped to handle these issues. We 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 you know kind of swept them under the rug. We have not. We we know we don't deal with them issues of sexual orientation, anything dealing with sex <laughs> in the black church has been taboo for far too long, and this Victorian era ethics that we've been holding holding on to has damaged us so much that we we've actually hurt ourselves uh, in in that area. You know, more we brought on more sexual morality in the in the black church because of that, uh, and I think it would benefit us to be more aware of the law, how will it affect our organizations, how will it, how will it affect our 
our 501c3s, our our schools, you know, those who are trying to, who have private parochial schools, those churches that have their school, those churches like us that have colleges and universities, what would that mean for our, like, you know, the AMB and our colleges and universities and seminaries, all of which receive federal funding, uh, participating in the various title programs, Title One, Title Nine, Title Four, et cetera, and so on. What does that mean? Because by law now, because we are participating in that, we are subject to that law. And what would that say? What will I, I'm just curious to see how, particularly black churches. I'm not concerned about our other fair, you know, the other ethnicities. Uh, you know, they they have a a greater component of a uh, 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 component awareness. We don't. We're loose, loosely conglomerated federations in the black church and we 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 don't cooperate unless we just have to and that hasn't happened since the civil rights it hasn't we really haven't collaborated on these social issues like uh things like this that directly affect us we haven't done that since the civil rights so at least 50 years ago so it's, it's going to be critical to see how how this affects us, how how we react to it, how we handle it. Will it be graceful? Will it not be graceful? Uh, how will pastors, you know, will will it cause pastors to come out the closet? <laughs> I know, I know, I know, but it's just it's just interesting to me how this is going to turn out. So continue to uh, follow up on following up on this story. I want to thank my friend Delandris. I hope she's listening because uh, again we had a very nice uh, conversation about this. And many other subjects, particularly this. But uh, so I want to encourage you, pastors particularly, be aware of this law, the executive orders. I don't care how much you support Obama, uh, you can support them all you want to, but I guarantee you, this is going to come back and bite you if you <laughs> if you are not aware, because especially if you are hiring. I'm not talking to the small churches. I'm talking about these mega churches and uh, things of that nature, or, or want to be mega churches. Those who want to be more, uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I digress. But that's just something you need to, I believe we need to be aware of, follow uh, follow through with as the black church. And I say the black church collectively because I think it's pertinent and it's going to be directly impactful toward us. And if we are not uh, careful, again, you know. It's gonna hurt us. It's gonna it's gonna cause us a lot of damage. But anyway, I digress. I'm gonna take a quick break, and uh, when we come back from this break, uh, when we come back from the break, we will be discussing the um, the topic of the day: ministers and you know the, uh, the seduction of quick money. And we, it's, yeah, I'm ready to get started on this conversation because I think it's gonna be something worth it. So. We'll be back right after this. This is the Quicksilver Cashback Card from Capital One. It's not the limit to cash I earn every month card. It's not the I only earn decent rewards at the gas station card. It's the no games, no signing up, everyday rewarding, kung fu fighting, silver lightning in a bottle, bringing home the bacon cashback card. This is the Quicksilver card from Capital One. Unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase, everywhere, every single day. So ask yourself, what's in your wallet? At Farmers, we make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Off to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to Farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are Farmers. Bum, da, da, bum, 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 bum. It's our favorite, yours and mine, because we found it together on a walk, 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 
love to walk. A long walk. A, a walk with you. A walk I smelled squirrels on, but I stayed by your side because I could tell, could feel, that you had a bad day and me being bad wouldn't make it any better. But being there was already helping a little anyway. And then we found that wonderful thing waiting there, waiting for you and me. And you smiled and threw it. And I decided right when I picked it up, I would never, ever leave it anywhere, ever. Because that wonderful bouncy roll around thing had made you play. And that had made you smile. Put more play in your day. Beneful. Play. It's good for you. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I've been a victim of identity theft on more than one occasion, and i got to tell you, it's never been a pleasant experience trying to clean up the mess afterwards. That's why I decided to find a safe and secure way of protecting my identity and my good name through LifeLock. LifeLock is more than just a credit monitoring service. It provides full identity protection and monitoring and scanning for any threats to your identity so it can also quickly respond to it. Now, here's the other good thing I really love about LifeLock is that it offers a guarantee of up to $1 million should you ever become a victim of identity death while using LifeLock. LifeLock is not an expensive thing. Plans start as low as $10 a month. I, I tell you, you ought to go there and check them out. Visit their website, www.lifelock.com, or call 1-800-607-7205 and enroll today, and I guarantee you will start to feel safer the minute you get it. LifeLock, you'll love it. All right, welcome back to Zero Today. I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We're in the house. It's a wonderful Wednesday, and we're glad that you are here joining us today. And we're going to get back right on topic. We're just glad that you're joining us this morning. Oh, Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. What a show, what a show, what a show, what a show. Listen, you know, I, uh, I, I, I am fascinated. Uh, the, the, the longer I have been in ministry, the more I, I am fascinated by church folk and, and, and particularly preachers. You know, preachers fascinate me. I, I don't know what it is. You know, uh, I, I just get fascinated by them because I, I, I cannot imagine any other profession, no other profession like preaching that just allows anybody and everybody to get in. I mean, you could wake up, you could go to sleep and wake up and say God called you to preach, and, and next thing you know, you know, you're out and out and about and whatever, and it may lead to a, a church empire as some have developed. And in other cases, it, it leads to a flop. But the stories that I, I've been reading this week and you know, I've I've been scouring across the internet and various places, and it just amazes me some of the things that uh, churches are, are are having to do. And I'm going to do a show, particularly I got to do this show, and I don't know when I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. There are, are are a lot of churches with uh, pastors who are sexual, you know, sexual predators. And I know we talked about it a little bit last time when we talked about Pastor Frank Ray and his issues, but I'm 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 seeing more and more reports, particularly as I go and visit uh, Church Folk Revolution, and, and you know I, I draw from that from that page because uh, Brother T.J. and others on that and that were part of that group are doing a wonderful job bringing to light uh, some of the the, the hidden secrets uh, of of the church. And uh, one of the hidden secrets that people don't want to deal with is, again, as I discussed earlier, it's this issue of sexual immorality. And, and you know, we got a lot of pedophile pastors in there, young pastors, youth pastors, you know, uh, volunteers, all that stuff. And, and I'm going to do a show about that. Uh, I, I got a couple of people I know who probably can help me out um, as guests. But that's definitely one thing I'm going to talk about. But today I want to talk about something different, you know. Uh, I want to talk about the preacher's hustle. 
And this is what fascinates me, you know. Uh, some some preachers enter the game because of the hustle. And, 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 and when I say the hustle, I really do mean the hustle. And I can tell you about the numerous, numerous movies that I've watched. There was one movie back in the day. I can't think of the name of it, but two dudes started the church. And the whole point of the starting the church was because, uh, you know, they wanted to be they wanted to pick up women, and the church was the perfect outlet to pick up women. And posing as pastors, they were able to, you know, do so much, raise this big, you know, build this big church and big ministry, uh, only to have it coming down, crumbling down, and uh, because of greed and. You know, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much the same. But I'm gonna have to try to find that movie. I can't think of it. But for some, preaching is the best hustle that there is. Where else can you just start a start a start something and put a title in front of your name and just get speaking engagements? Just because you know, come up with a a background. Uh, I don't know, have you guys ever seen the movie Apostle? And this is kind of off topic, and forgive me for getting off topic, but the the movie The Apostle with Robert Duvall, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. And if you read about it, yeah, you know, if you, I mean, if you go back, if you go and watch it, you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, it's a story about redemption, runaway redemption. And it, basically, this guy who has who's committed a crime uh, leaves his life of, a evangelist, a pastor, and all of that, to go into seclusion um, because of the crime he committed, basically. But he creates a whole new identity for himself. Uh, And just by walking and wandering, gets connected with another elderly black pastor, and they um, together build this new church, you know, and uh, out in, in somewhere in Louisiana, they build this new church, and and the church begins to thrive and whatnot, and he creates this whole new identity for himself. And the people buy into it. The town is affected by it. Even one of the, the, the meanest men in the town ends up getting converted, and it's a very, very dramatic scene. I think that was Billy Bob Thornton who played that guy. You know, he was, he, was, he was hateful against the preacher, but then ends up getting converted by the preacher. And then the story ends with the preacher being arrested in his church uh, while he's preaching because, you know, his crime has finally caught up with him. They allow him to finish preaching, and he walks out to the church triumphantly defeated, you know, basically. He walks out knowing that his end is coming, but uh, but he walks out pride, no, proud knowing that even in the midst of creating this crime, doing this crime, committing this crime, he creates this new identity, identity that, that helps him. And it kind of gives him a bit of redemption. Now, that ain't that's a good story, but that ain't the, that ain't the truth for most preachers. Most preachers get in the game, they get the hustle, they 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 know it's an easy way to make money, easy way to make money. And it's just been, you know, I, I it's just been crazy to me lately how uh, particularly two things have come up, both regarding money and. Uh, with two, the things I'm talking about, particularly one with uh, Pastor Mason Bisa, Mason Bisa, or Mace, the rapper who has uh, left his church to go back to rapping full time. I, I mean, that in and of itself. Matter of fact, you know what? Let's, I, I you know what I'm gonna do? I, I got, I got something. I, I'm just so glad that this is happening. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate Mace for going back. This rap game. Oh, yeah, man. How you, doing? you know, I know you like that. I know you like that. I see the girls in the club, they're getting wild for me. And all the pretty chicks all wanna smile at me. These rap cats, man, they all got this out for me. And if I ever see them, man, they probably bow to me. And when this beat drop, I know they gon' lean. World debut, I know they gon' fiend. Everything Mississippi to the Palm Springs. Girls from brunettes down to blonde queens. These young boys don't know what a dawn means. I'm just a bad boy, gone clean. I'm the diamond chain choker, always remain sober. Don't drink liquor and all the game's over. 
I explain it to my broker Three bots in the hood top down and ain't over You know this more man where that come from Me and cool the love rolling back to back in one All right, I just had a little fun there. I just wanted to have a little fun. Okay, so Mace has left his church, a church that he started, L.L. Young Ministries in Atlanta. He started, he left the rap game to become a preacher, and folk flocked to his church because he was a rapper, and he taught the same thing that everybody, all these popular preachers are preaching, prosperity. Folk joined his church because he gave the image of prosperity, the total life prosperity. That's what he's taught. That's what he taught. He and his now ex-wife started the church, and the church grew into a very nice young crowd. It was hip. And I had even considered bringing uh, the good pastor to one of my churches I pastored uh, to the area, uh, just be sponsored by one, you know, when I pastored in that area in South Mississippi, I was considered bringing him, you know, because, again, who could not relate to a rapper turned preacher? I mean, you're talking about, I, I already knew if I had brought him, that would have sent my ministry right through the top with the young folk because I'd be, you know. But anyway, I digress. If you're not aware of what happened with Mace, Mace, <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to follow this story back several months. He and his wife now divorced. Uh, they get divorced because his wife gets a DUI. It breaks news. TMZ catches the image or whatever and breaks the story that she gets arrested for DMI, DUI and gets banned by the church uh, because she got arrested. And, of course, they disputed that, saying that she wasn't banned from the church. Uh, they don't know where they got it from, but just weeks later, he files for a divorce. So... And his members had kind of felt something was wrong because over the last couple of years, he's been doing little appearances here and there, uh, rapping, you know, providing lyrics on one guy's rap album and another guy's album and, you know, just little by little. And he pulled almost like a Reverend Al Green. Now, this is the difference between Al Green, and I, I, I was trying to bring that track up, but it's not happening. You know, let's stay together. <laughs> uh, that's what I was going to pull pull up for Al Green. Let's, let's stay together. <laughs> yeah. But here's the difference between Mace and Al Green. Just like Al Green, just like Mace, Al Green was popular and was secular before he got converted or uh, before he acknowledged the call to preach. Now, Al Green started his church, and when Al Green started his church, you know, he, he completely left the scene for some, for at least a decade, at least. Uh, but, but people were still, you know, he was in high demand as a soul singer. People wanted to make babies to Al Green. <laughs> and so that's what they did. Anyway, but the demand brought him out for performances and, you know, releases songs and things of that nature, uh, uh, did did duets with Queen Latifah and others, you know, he, he did things. But he never left his church, and he kept the title Reverend Al Green, even when he performed, even when he was performing his secular group. And I had been to the man's church, and I tell you, I walked in the bookstore, and <laughs> I'll never forget this. This is my first time going to his church, and it was funny because in the bookstore, he had some of his secular CDs. <laughs> he had some of his secular uh, music in the church bookstore. But again, you know. Hey, it was his music. It was his. People still bought it. But he, you know, he was a wonderful preacher. I, I, I was amazed by the service. And, uh, I had a good time. Uh, and he didn't preach long either. I liked that part. He didn't preach long. But that's beside the point. Al Green, the Reverend Al Green, did not leave his church. He continues to pastor, even though he understands. And I don't know how he commits that balance, but he understands the demand on him, both as a pastor and as uh, a secular recording artist. And and some, you know, some have, you know, have questioned his authenticity as a preacher. But 
he hasn't wavered in his ministry. He understands that his ministry is first now, not his music career. And he's profiting from both, so, hey, more power to him. Now, Mace, on the other hand, Mace, his entry into ministry was questionable, and his departure for ministry is questionable. Leads the beg, begs the question, what is he going to do should his music, his uh, rap career not be able to be resuscitated if it can't come back? What is he going to do? Will he go back to the church? Will he send it on to somebody else? What will he do? But how much credibility has he lost? He's lost a lot of credibility chasing the quick dollar, um, trying to get rich, trying to get the bling back, trying to get, you know, uh, think about the young people. And this is what his crowd was, the young people, you know, the hip-hop generation. Think about the questions they now have uh, about, well, if he could just leave the game, the, the, the preaching hustle like that, what does that say about our faith? Can we do the same? What if we want to return to slinging dope? What if we want to return to any, you know, anything that we were doing prior to becoming a part of the church? How would that affect us? That's, you know, that's just something to question. Now, what I'm asking this question is because, you know, the age-old question has been, should a preacher work? Should a preacher have a job? Now, I'm blessed to be a full-time pastor. I have not always been a full-time pastor. I have been a bivocational minister for, the, well, actually, for up until the last three years ago. Until three years ago, I was bivocational. I worked. I was a teacher. I was a band director. And it was very difficult. I split my time between teaching and doing football games, battle of the bands, and then trying to meet my church obligations. And that was not an easy task to do, believe me, me. It was not easy. And I have opportunities now to explore other areas in teaching. But I do realize, and I question, like, okay, I, my desire is to utilize all of these degrees that I have at my maximum capability, and which basically is teaching at the college level, uh, you, know, you know, as a university professor or something like that. I got to pay student loans, and my church salary does not pay enough for me to really cover my student loans. I'm making it, but thank God. God is blessing, okay? But... I've been blessed. I have all these skills and all, you know, all these talents that I underutilized because I wanted to put the ministry first. But you have, again, these guys who are hustlers, and the hustlers chase the money. They get, they get seduced by the idea of quick money. And I'm not talking about, uh, for example, we always use the, the, uh, the analogy of Paul and Apollos, uh, I mean Paul and Aquila and Priscilla, and they were, they were all in ministry together. They were all in full-time missionary ministry uh, or full-time apostolic ministry, however you want to describe it, whatever you want to call it. That's what they did. But they had a side gig as being employed and had the occupation as tent makers. That was not their full-time employed. That was their means to an end when the church was not able to supply their financial needs, you know, meet their financial obligations or support them. That's what they did. Now, this is the argument. That uh, this is always my counter argument. No, the job wasn't their job. That was just a means to an end when the church was unable to uh, financially support them. That's what they did as a means of supporting themselves. And Paul, of course, in chapter in Second Corinthians eight, nine, and ten, he discusses that. He discusses pretty much why for for various reasons why he allowed the Macedonian church to support him and not the Corinthian church because he didn't want to be a burden on the Corinthian church and he chose to use this means as a way of supporting himself without being a burden on them because the other church was more they were more financially able to support him okay so that's the argument uh, but today in 21st century America it is not about what the church is not able able to do because people these preachers are creating empires for themselves brands for themselves and people are buying brands Creflo Dollar is a brand T.D. Jakes is a brand Kenneth Copeland is a brand Jesse Duplantis uh, all these big time preachers and all the wannabes you know the the little ones they are creating brands for themselves it's a hustle which means they have to continue to reinvent themselves in some way shape form or fashion to keep the hustle going. 
and seduction. It's seduction. That is not their occupation. Most preachers, uh, and and I'm I'm just be honest with you, as one who has been to school and been trained, and uh, you know, it, it bothers me. It really irks me for those who, who don't bother to go to school to come up with the schemes that they do to get quick money. Now, uh, and this falls under some idea of okay, how much should a pastor get paid? That you know. That's a whole different thing because every local church is different. I know pastors who, you know, uh, <laughs> back in the day, and this has always been funny to me, and even when I was a young preacher, I learned this the hard way, you know. Some churches feel paying you with a good meal, that was the best way to pay a preacher. And I know a lot of preachers when I was a child, that was, you know, that was that was their payment. You get a good meal from one of the good families every day. Or every week, or you get a few eggs, you get a few things, you know, that was their payment. And they didn't understand the concept of tithing. Uh, they didn't understand the concept of stewardship because it wasn't taught, but they had the means, and that's what they did. Uh, those preachers were full-time. That was their whole occupation. Now, I know preachers who pastored three or four churches back in the day, you know, one meet on one Sunday, one meet every other Sunday. Uh, you know, it, it took my, my home church pastor, it took him. Uh, it took our church decades before they even allowed him to go. We they didn't even go full Sunday, and we had you know a lot of members and was fiscally capable of supporting a pastor full time, but they never did. So the pastor pastor two three churches, and basically you know was never able to full give full attention to that church because they were pastoring other churches. That was their side hustle. That was their hustle. Okay, and now it's it's the same things just. Different, you know, we have the multi-site, multi-campus, you know, the pastor has two, three campuses at one church, so we're one church in three locations, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Uh, but anyway, I digress, I digress. The, the whole issue, the whole issue here is, uh, uh, goes back to accountability, you know, how, how, how can an individual be accountable to the people that they have shepherded and abandoned them. There's no way you can be accountable. There's no because you leave the people short and dry, uh, however the saying goes. Look, I, I'm, I'm gonna take a quick break and I'm gonna come back because I want to address this other issue um, before I get go too far into this rant. So I'm gonna take a break. And uh, when I take a break, we're going to follow up with this mace thing. And I want to hear your questions, your concerns, whatever you may have. Uh, if if there are some, I know I got people in the in the chat room. Go ahead and share your questions in the chat room. Whatever you want to do, we don't want to make sure I you know I address them. And we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we, we may go over a little bit over time. So just bear with us. But either way, I mean, this is something y'all all should should all be aware of, and and, and at least want to address but we'll be back right after this who loves social networking as much as you identity thieves they can find your personal information and do some serious damage like your birthday or your mother's maiden name you need a new friend lifelock we scour billions of data points every day and if we discover that any of your personal information is misused lifelock is there Call us at 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to lifelock.com today. How much money do you need to make each month? That's the first question we'll ask when you decide to start your own home business through IncomeAtHome.com. As a success coach, I'm here to guide people like Karen who need to earn serious money from home. We were living payday to payday. And with four teenagers at home, we were worried. By the third month, I was banking more than $2,600. After only 18 months, I was consistently earning more than $7,000 a month. Now, it's a six-figure income, and I'm paying cash for college for four kids. We found our way out of rat race. Listen, this isn't selling soap or energy water to your friends. This is a real business, bringing potential customers to your computer so you can earn money 24-7. Incomeathome.com is affiliated with a multi-billion dollar company and carries a triple A rating. So how much money do you need to earn each month from home? Visit IncomeAtHome.com right now for your chance to win $1,000. 
at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. I'm part of a place where I'm always challenged to do more. I am a part of a place where I can be involved. I'm a part of a place where everything is possible. I'm part of a place where champions are made. At the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, you can get an affordable education with competitive degree offerings, diverse student population, and stellar faculty. Become part of a place where you can get everything you need to succeed. Become a part of the pride at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. Suits today aren't like suits from yesterday. Part of it is the cut of today's suit. Short jacket, narrow lapel, moderate fit. But part of it is the cut of the man himself. Because today, it's not so much the brand of suit that defines the man, as it is the brand of man who wears it. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee you. Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and we've been discussing uh, pastors and the seduction of quick money, and particularly the hustle, the game, the, the quick hustle that preachers think uh, they can have when they get in ministry and, and you know, start these churches or uh, get elected and <laughs> installed as pastors or, in our case, appointed to churches. Uh, and, and some preachers see it as a as a quick hustle and quick game. So, and and particularly we talked about in the last segment we talked about uh, former pastor turn again rapper Mason Betha 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 I, have, I forgot you know Mace the rapper who has gone back to full time ministry abandoning his church abandoning his ministry abandoning all that he said he was called to do and this is what you know troubles me. Uh, and I'm just going to say this, and then I'm, I'm going to go uh, try to uh, shift it to this next thing here. Uh, I just can't fathom how you particularly, how a preacher can start their own ministry and then leave it. But statistically, now this is statistically, there are 7,000 churches started every year. And of those 7,000, uh, basically, as many churches start or as many are, are 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 shut down. So about four thousand a year close every you know churches. Four thousand churches close every year. About seven thousand start and about four thousand close. And it's not because they don't have the heart or passion. Sometimes they just don't have the means to do it. Sometimes it's it's you know uh, you think about splits and church splits and you know people can't get along so they start their own church or think about uh economic conditions um i know particular pastors who have had to shut their churches down because it just wasn't you know economically feasible you know, they're paying uh a rent or lease for a building that they don't own and the membership is not able to fiscally support the ministry and me i've been a part of a, you know i served in ministry years without getting paid you know, I I did that, uh, and even at churches I pastored where I was getting a salary, or the bulk of what I was giving outweighed my salary. Basically, you know, I've been, you know, there were churches that I basically was paying myself. You know, I I was giving the money to pay my salary, and and you you know, you're writing the check to make sure that you get paid. You get right back, it's just like a reverse reimbursement. But I've been there. And, and it didn't bother me um, when I had to commute six hours to my one church I pastored. The salary that I was getting was basically just covering my gas. That's basically it was. That's all it was doing, covering my gas, and just to ensure that I got there. And I was faithful in spite of what the condition was because my calling was beyond my condition. It was beyond what my pastor, you know. And I had to learn to be ambitious a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with ambition. 
There's absolutely nothing wrong with ambition. And I don't want you to mistake me saying some preachers are hustling and they're overly ambitious. There are some who are overly ambitious. But I'm talking about, you know, particularly in my my, uh, reformation, in my faith communion, ambition is a good thing. (laughs) It, It leads to promotion. Now, uh, outside of that, our our type of leadership, excuse me, our type of leadership structure, I cannot speak to, uh, because there are those who just want to uh, be a mega church just to to live the wealthy life, and, and then there are those who who uh, want to be uh, want to serve. So anyway, uh, oh, I saw this last little bit here. Pastor David Lee, I think I get his name right. Is he the David Richardson or David? Lee, one of those. Uh, anyway, he um, he wrote a book, and the book is called "The Sunday Morning Stick Up." And the Sunday Morning Stick Up basically is is, is talking about the tithe, and you know the fact that you know New Testament Christians are not obligated to to tithe, and, and that's true. We are not obligated to tithe. And how he says these, there are some churches, pastors who would not, who do not want you to to know that. You know, it's that their their little secret. You don't have to tie. And I, I've been teaching on this for years, uh, and 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 participating in it. You know, tithe is not an obligatory thing. It's not some magical thing just because you give ten percent that you're going to be magically blessed. And I've heard testimonies about people who start tithing and and money changes and things like that. That's all good and noble, but that is not. You know that is not the case, and, and, and that is not uh, anyway. Uh, so, so he comes up with this, and I want you to hear what happened to him, uh, uh, because he was a part of this mega church ministry, and he he announced that he was going to write this book, and he he says based on the cover, he had confrontation. So, listen to what he says. I'm going to play a little bit of of his book promotion trailer. Hello, my name is David Lee Richardson, author of the newly published book, Sunday Morning Stick Up, What Your Pastor Doesn't Want You to Know About Tithes. I wrote this book out of a mandate on my life from God. Little did I know, four days after announcing the anticipated release of the book, I would be called into a meeting and based on the cover alone, since the book had not yet been published, I would be stripped of my ministerial license, which I held for more than 20 years, at the church where I served faithfully, known as the Potter's House in Dallas, Texas. Three weeks after that, I was physically thrown out of my church with my two small children, 10 and 11 years old, sitting beside me, who were traumatized by the entire experience. Later, when I talked to the police officer to get an explanation as to why I had been thrown out of my church and told never to return again or else I would be arrested for criminal trespass, the officer said to me that he had been lied to and they were used by the leadership of the church to get rid of me. He said the only thing that he could think of were my children and how traumatic it was for them and how profusely they were crying as they were dragging me out of that live church service. You know, I wrote this book to tell the unadulterated truth about tithing that I believe with all my heart that nearly every pastor already knows, but what many simply refuse to share. Tithing used to be about people. It is now all about the money. Sunday Morning Stick-Up reveals that there are no scriptures that support Christians paying tithes. After embracing this scripturally guided tour through this important subject, you will realize that you do not have to feel guilty about not paying tithes. It is true, just as many leaders do not feel guilty about living lavishly, you do not have to feel guilty about not tithing. Many who struggle to pay their tithes are often overcome with feelings of guilt and shame. Sometimes you make the decision to pay bills, buy groceries, school clothes for your children, or to help someone who may be in a financial bind. You are told that doing any of these things in place of paying your 10% tithes will provoke the curse of God on your remaining 90%. 
<laughs> Deep down inside, you say to yourself, this makes absolutely no sense. Good-hearted, generous people live with the fear of God will curse me if I do not give him his cut. Now, what you have failed to understand is that God does not want 10% of your possessions. God wants to possess 100% of you. He knows that once he has 100% of you, everything else will follow, up to and including 100% of your possessions. There are no limits to what you will give God once you take the limits off your heart to him. Now, for years, the preachers would tell us, if you want to be blessed, you must give God your life. Today, that message has been twisted. Messages are now filled with, if you want to be blessed, you must give him a seed. As they take 2 Corinthians 9 and 6 out of context. You have been told that paying tithes is of the utmost importance to being blessed by God. But ask yourself, what do I really know about tithing? For most, the only scripture that comes to mind is the one from the book of Malachi. Now as you ponder this thought, you are beginning to realize that many have talked about tithing and given their testimony about its impacts on their lives, but no one has ever really taken the time to teach you specific truths about it. Sunday Morning Stick-Up will teach you these specific Bible-based truths, and after reading this book, you will be able to speak intelligently regarding the subject of tithes. I am David Lee Richardson, author of the book Sunday Morning Stick-Up, What Your Pastor Doesn't Want You to Know About Tithes. Let your journey to liberation begin. All right, so that's the promo for that book. And the book came out uh, last year, early this year, and it's created such a, a turmoil because of the fact that he mentions that he was forcibly removed from uh, from Potter's house, uh, implying that he was forcibly removed because of the writing and publishing of this book and its direct relation and reflection on its uh, leadership of Potter's house, who were basically was Bishop Jakes and others. Now, now. You know, from pastor perspective, I can understand everybody needs to be enlightened. Uh, and I've, I've skimmed through the book. I have skimmed through the book, and uh, the writing style to me comes across as, you know, more of a uh, – it's like a sermon. I'm going to be honest with you. It's like a sermon because it's kind of a little bit condescending. And it's also – uh, self-promoting, but you know that's what you should do. As you, it's your book, you can say whatever you want to. But the problem, the problem is again, I, I think the idea and the way he's promoting the book, the way he's the, the claims that he's making is doing a lot of damage to him, as well as probably Jake's and others uh, in in the game. Um, now, when I when I talked about this quick money and this this hustle. Uh, if you pay attention, most of these pastors that are, you know, they, they founded the church, they're leaders of the church, and they call themselves being full-time, and they draw income solely from the church, uh, and they draw income solely from the church because of the tithes that uh, it, they say, bring all the tithes to the house or to be meat in my house, and, and use the analogy of the Levites eating uh, that's what they ate off, and that's that's that's. I guess that's a fairly, uh, fairly reasonable comparison. Uh, but again, you know, when you when you do things like this, and you you bombard the people to make sure that you have a luxurious life, yeah, then stop tithing, plain and simple, because you're not you're not giving to God. You're basically giving. To this guy or you know this individual to help them live a lavish lifestyle. Now, if you're going to be true about the Levitical tithe and how it was you know functioned, then all you basically you're saying this part of the tithe income goes to the pastor to make sure that the pastor's needs are are met. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's articulated correctly. You know, in my in my 
and my uh, again going back to my community, you know, it, pastors negotiate salaries, you know, and we go back, we go based on what the church is able to do. Uh, we, uh, unlike the United Methodists, where there is a, a there is a median salary for all ordained clergy, itinerant elders, there's a median salary. There is not the same. That's not the case in uh, most black churches. You can't you know there is no median salary for you know like Baptist church. You go to the First Baptist Church in in Lone Oak, Arkansas. <laughs> And then First Baptist Church in New Orleans, Louisiana, different demographic, different price, you know, different uh, median income. And that doesn't mean that that, that doesn't su- suggest that the pastor in Lone Oak should be making $1,000 a week because the pastor in, in, in New Orleans is making that much a week or you know, vice versa. But uh, uh, it should be to the point where clergy understand that they should not overburden the people. You don't want to be a hustler. I mean, because if you're a hustler, you can you can con the people for only so long before they wise up to the game and they just, you know, they either go somewhere else or they stop giving or, you know, they wait for you to fall on your face, which is what most black churches do. You know, that's what most black members do. They wait for you to fall on your face. They they ain't gonna let they'll give you enough rope to hang yourself. But we should. I mean, if if we're if we're honest as pastors about what we need, if we're going to be engaged in full time active ministry as a vocation, then we should say, okay, this is what I need to live. I need health. I need uh, benefits. I need all of these things. As if I am a real, you know, if am I a secular employer, if I'm going to give fully to the church, my time, my talents, then this is what I need to do that. Uh, and if not, then, you know, I'll take on a means of supplementing income, you know, whatever that may be. Whatever that may be as a means of supporting myself and my family. Now, if if you don't like that, the fact that I'm working to support my family, you know, and most churches won't let you be a bootleg. They won't let you be, <laughs> you know, it won't let you own a juke joint. I didn't know a preacher that owned a juke joint at one time. <laughs> Lord have mercy. But, you know, most of them want, want, you, want their pastors to live comfortably, want their preachers to live comfortably, and most of them want them to reflect, you know, a sense of prosperity. They want them to have, you know, they want them to have pride in their pastor. They want to be able to say that their pastor is doing well. And there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, I think it just should be articulated. Uh, in a in a way that's going to be uh, that's not going to be hustle driven, that's not going to be uh, that's not going to be overly demanding for the the congregation, because again you got to understand you know times and economic things change and, and it has to reflect the individual the, the individual church the individual congregation and not to be overburdened and you should never demand that church go all in for you. When you know they can't, but that's what a lot of preachers do. I don't do it, but I know a lot of preachers do it. I, I you know, I, I could get away. I, I, I don't mind not having an appreciation, and even then, when I have appreciations, <laughs> I uh, basically my appreciations were to raise money for me to go to our annual conference. That's basically it. It wasn't for me to do anything else. You know, they throw me an appreciation a week or two before annual conference was make sure that I had enough money to travel, stay in the hotel if I had to stay in the hotel, pay my off, get my offerings. And that's basically it. And that's, yeah, that's basically all it covered. You know, and if I got $1,000, I was, whew, boy, I was really feeling good then. Because I did, I, then I knew that even after all my obligations, hotel room, travel, and offerings, I still have maybe a couple hundred dollars that I could spend on myself to eat. Or to, you, know, you know, cover have a little boost in my bank account. That, but that's just me. And I, I think we just have to, you know, uh, with pastors, we we really have to be uh, aggressive in addressing this issue because the more it comes front to us, the more it it, it comes out, the the more it's going to be more the more dangerous it's going to be because. If we, if pastors, are, and I'm speaking generally, 
if we allow the corrupt, the hustlers, the pimps, or whatever you want to call them, if we allow those persons to take the front uh, front line in this issue, then it's going to damage. It's going to cause a lot of damage. However, if we live with integrity and we present ourselves as great stewards, not just good stewards, but great stewards, if we're as wise as serpents but as harmless as doves, then, you know, I think we can create an environment where people uh, will be more likely to support us and and make sure that we are taken care of than anything else. Look, I've overgone my time, and I appreciate you guys staying on. If you're listening, I want to appreciate you just for uh, keeping me on today. And, uh, uh, you know, I had my little rambles, but, hey, that's, that's how it is sometimes. And we want to uh, invite you again back to next week where we'll be talking again. And remember, you can catch any archive show as far back uh, four years ago, as since we've been doing this show, you can catch any one of those, and we want to invite you to uh, again join us. Make sure, make sure you go to the page, uh, go to the show page, and subscribe, and go to the uh, Facebook page, like, and keep updated. Catching the archive shows you want to, we just invite you to tune in every week. And again, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal saying, "Stay blessed and do well."